I'm glad to be here, man. It's uh, the land of freedom as opposed to the People's Republic of California. All right, so remember, though, don't Californicate Texas. Dude, I'm telling you, as I drive around Texas, that's what I worry about. I see all these people from California that want to bring their politics here. It terrifies me. Yeah, well, speak out. But as it turned out, in the Ted Cruz election for senator, uh, transplants voted at a higher rate for Ted Cruz than native Texans. Yeah, you know, that's, I find that really interesting because people slam everybody from California, but so many of the people that are moving from places like California are solid conservatives, and they're moving to Texas because they're sick and tired of the places they live. Good. Well, that happened to you, I suppose. Oh, look, I'm born and raised in California. It's, it, in my opinion, in one of the most beautiful places on Earth. It's really sad what's happened to it. You know, when I was younger and I used to travel all over the country, people would say, where are you from? I'd say California, they get this faraway look in their eyes, and they'd say, oh, I've always wanted to live there. But today, when I say I'm from California, people just shake their heads and say, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and they say, what well, took you so long to get to Texas, you know? Absolutely. Now, you live in the middle of the state, northwestern part of the state, uh, close to Houston, close to Dallas. Uh... I'm just north of Austin, and I moved to this area because it's very central, so I can get all over the state really easily. Right. Also engaged in a lot of uh, state politics here in Texas. I have been for many years, and so being close to the capital is good for that. Okay, so are you in Round Rock? Actually, a little bit north of that, uh, up in on the border between Leander and Cedar Park. All right, now, way to go. Still, are you still involved with, uh, uh, you, you know, are you back in a barn again, uh, working out of a barn with horses and all that, or... Did no, you? no horses and no barn yet. I got enough property to do that, and that is definitely on the wish list. You know, you ought to check out in Austin the Texas Public Policy Foundation. Uh, they're yeah, those guys are great friends of mine. In fact, uh, early last week I spent all day at their offices and meetings all day. Another great group here in Texas. One of my favorites is Empower Texans. Right. I was just at their office today. So, yeah, these are all allies of ours. Yep. Good friends, good people and warriors for freedom. Well, I'd like to remind our audiences that we have Mark Meckler here with the Convention of States, uh, Article 5, where we're asking, uh, basically using the Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution to call the Convention of States to propose amendments to the U.S. Constitution without Congress. And uh, I met Mark back in 2015, I believe, when you called in to... Uh, uh, the simulation we had, I believe, in, in Jupiter. Uh, no, no. Yep. Yeah, it was Jupiter. And I immediately ran to the Jupiter, mic- Florida. Yeah, it was the second simulation. Uh, the first one was in Sanford, Florida, and I got the pleasure to meet uh, Michael Ferris in that one. But um, you it- know, well, I got to tell you, you guys made history with those simulations. Those were the first simulations in the country, and ultimately they formed the model for the one that we did in 2016 in Williamsburg, Virginia. In fact, we even stole your parliamentarian young kid who was just phenomenal as parliamentarian because he had all the experience working with you guys. Yes, he was uh, from Patrick uh, Henry College, I believe. Yep, great kid. So you guys really set the tone, obviously, and and helped us get ready to know how to do a bigger simulation, a national simulation. So thanks to you for that. Okay. Yeah, it was was, uh, uh, quite a thing to to show the people. We didn't know if this was going to happen or not, but that we behaved. And no arguments ensued. Everybody went to the well. Uh, we were constantly corrected by the, ju- the young gentleman uh, in terms of m- amending amendments, mm-hmm. which you can't do in a convention. A lot of people have a uh, propensity f- to amend something that's being discussed, which might be an amendment. And we were corrected all the time. 
and uh, it was uh, it made me very proud because I uh, I met a bunch of people I would have not met otherwise. So in the in the exercise of Article Five, what really happens is that you really uh, have an opportunity to fall in love with your country again. Because yeah, I agree. With you. you know, one of the things that I saw at the simulated convention, and, and you guys saw this in Florida, I saw this in Williamsburg, is you see people that are good people and they get together and they become great statesmen and women. I mean, it's really incredible. Regular people step up and they're so serious about what they're doing, so committed to the preservation of the Constitution and self-governance in America, they really step up and become statesmen and statesmen. It's really inspiring. Well, I believe you have a story that you've come out publicly uh, in, in the past on how in more, how it resided in you and how you uh, basically got involved into this uh, movement, per se. And it, it just there's something happens. It, it's just you fall in love with your country. It's uh, really amazing how the common folk, we just need to stand up instead of standing by and move this along. So uh, I'm, I'm very happy about this. So... Ed's got some questions on the state well, of affairs. Well, the, the thing is, we, we the Convention of States movement needs to get 34 uh, states to petition Congress to convene a convention to consider amendments to the Constitution. And so far, we have 12. So my question for you is, I know you said there are 40 legislatures in, in session. How are we doing, and what states are, are you uh, targeting? Yeah, right now 40 states are in, so I'm kind of running around like a chicken with my head cut off. In fact, I'll be headed to, I've been in Kentucky already this year, I'm headed to Arkansas uh, tomorrow or day after tomorrow. And so I think that we have, a, we have got 24 where we're pretty active this year. My goal is to pass about half of those. I think we can legitimately shoot for a good 10 to 12 more states. Uh, right now we've got states that are really hot, West Virginia, Mississippi, Arkansas really on the front burner. Uh, if I had to, like, if I was a betting man and I had to bet on the first one right now, I would say looking best up early is Mississippi. Okay, so in a lot of these, we've already been working there from last year, and uh, uh, the, the, the petition was brought up in many places, but then it was struck down. What are the, what are the arguments that uh, we're making this year? Well, uh, look, the, the main thing is, the same argument we've been making for years. I've been doing this just, uh, almost five years now. The argument is, who do you want to decide? You know, whether you're in Florida or Texas or Mississippi or even California or New York, for that matter, do you want Washington, D.C. deciding for you? Or do you want to decide for yourself? And I can tell you what folks answer all over the country. I think this is really interesting. So we've been polling this all over the country now uh, recently for the last year, 11 months or so. What we find is the numbers are consistent. Two-thirds of Americans in virtually every state say that they want to hold a convention of states to rein in the scope and the power and the jurisdiction of the federal government. It's about 75% of Republicans consistently. It's about 66% of independents. And even Democrats want to do this. About 55% of Democrats all across the states say that we should hold a convention of states. So while the country is incredibly and totally divided on almost everything on this issue they're really not right there, let me ask you have you found that support among democrats has increased after the election of the trumpster yeah you know i think among i would say among regular democrats i mean regular people the answer is yes i mean it's such a great argument if you have democratic friends and you say look do you like the way donald trump is governing do you like the president do you like 
having a Republican Congress, you like a more conservative Supreme Court, you like all those people telling you what to do, of course they say no, they hate that stuff. And, and my response, to be quite honest with you, is I don't like it either. I didn't like it if Obama tells us what to do. I don't like D.C. telling us what to do in general. So, yeah, I think it's a good narrative right now for Democrats who are unhappy with Washington, D.C. Okay. What about in the course of all these legislative uh, maneuvers and so on, what do you, what do you make of uh, teaming up with some of the other groups that are one a single issue for constitutional amendments, like the better uh, the balanced budget amendment or the term limits amendment people? Yeah, so there are a couple of groups engaged. You, you named two of the big ones, balanced budget and term limits. I'm in favor, generally, of both of those things. I think alone, they're both terrible ideas. They're single subjects. Here's why. A balanced budget amendment by itself is completely anti-federalist. I'm a federalist guy. I want the power to reside in the states. My goal is to take the power away from the federal government and give it back to the people in the states. Here's what a balanced budget amendment by itself would do. Imagine if we passed this. The federal government has the power to impose unfunded mandates on the states. If we tell them you don't have the power to spend the money anymore, then they're just going to mandate that the states tax and spend the money on programs that are designed and controlled by the federal government. That's a bad solution. Today, about 65% of state governments are controlled by the feds in one way or another. I'd hate to see that rise to 85 or 90%. That's what a balanced budget alone does. It's a terrible idea. And the second one is term limits. I'm generally a fan of term limits. But the problem with term limits without other restrictions on federal power is this. If you limit the terms of congressmen, which is what they're talking about, but you don't limit the terms of bureaucrats or the terms of the courts or the terms or keep lobbyists out of the legislature, if you don't stop the revolving door, if you don't limit federal power, all it's going to do is increase the power of staffers, bureaucrats, lobbyists, and the courts. And again, alone... That's just a terrible idea. In conjunction with the other things that are available under a COS package, yeah, I support term limits. I support a uh, balanced budget amendment, but alone they're just terrible ideas that would really hurt our country. What well, about you've, uh, you've, you've excluded uh, um, a bigger concern, I believe, is the interns that are in these congressional offices. They'll be moving around in musical chairs to keep themselves employed when people are termed mm-hmm. out. And a rookie, a newcomer congressman can easily find himself with a mole in his office that has just got hired uh, because you don't know better. And before you know it, you've got uh, a serious leakage problem in in Congress as well Mm -hmm. as these interns become basically your congressional bureaucracy having more knowledge about laws that have passed and been repealed or didn't make it to committee because everybody's termed out. That's why I'm not crazy about term limits. Well, but I yeah, think- I, I, I absolutely agree with that. In fact, we have that problem today. Uh, it would just make it worse. In other words, staffers stick around for a long time. Forever. So from office to office, committee to committee, they're not necessarily, and often, frankly, by nature, loyal to their own congressman or even the state that they're representing. They might be from Delaware, but they work for a congressman from Texas. Exactly. They're generally loyal to uh, more senior people. And in this case, if you get rid of the seniority of congressmen, they'll be loyal to more senior staffers who can make sure they get the next best job. So I just think if you can't limit staff and if you can't limit the bureaucracy, limiting the terms of congressmen is a bad idea. Yeah, I shared that idea with you uh, about what happened to me here in Florida, where I was pushing a direct ballot 
uh, uh, parent trigger law. And lo and behold, uh, it was passed in 96, wasn't promulgated until 2010. And Jeb Bush did nothing while he was here. But because of term limits, nobody knew it, it was even law. And I get up to Tallahassee to, to repair a direct ballot uh, parent trigger law. And I find myself with Jeb Bush and, and Gates pumping up uh, for uh, uh, lobbying for petition-based parent trigger law. And guess what? Instead of... It was I already in the law? Our, a direct ballot was in the law. And yep. petition-based was being pushed. And uh, guess what? They both died. Both, both initiatives died mm-hmm. two legislative years in a row. Uh, and I would like to take credit for it because it, 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 uh, it died by 2020 ties because I was out there hammering it and said, guys, the direct ballot one's on the law. And guess what? They all turned their back on me because I embarrassed them because they felt embarrassed they lobbying know. for a petition-based parent trigger yep. law when a direct ballot-based trigger law was already on the books. Yeah. So I can imagine that in a bigger state, it would be a nightmare. Yeah. On the yeah, other well, hand, the- imagine, like you said, if there's no uh, there's no legacy knowledge among the politicians, but there is then legacy knowledge among the staffers. They already control a lot. They and the bureaucrats and the lobbyists would control everything. Yes, and absolutely. And on top of that, the legislature, uh, if they're termed out, they really don't have knowledge on the committees they're sitting on if they're new. So they end up. Uh, you know, rubbing yeah. elbows with lobbyists who right. are more informed. On the other hand, the founding fathers did not intend for a class of professional politicians. I understand, who just but they didn't. They, yeah. they probably didn't inv- imagine the complexities of 320 million people. Now, Mark, on the federal level, would you support term limits for judges? I'm a huge fan of term limits for judges. This is another place where the founders would be appalled that judges are sitting on the bench for 30 years. Right. It's important that we remember, the founders didn't say a lot about the courts, by the way. Right. They didn't have a lot of experience with this, and that's why. And so, basically, they created the Supreme Court and said Congress could create such lower courts as they deemed necessary, and they put very few limitations on them. In fact, the thing they were really worried about in the courts, if you read their writings, is that the courts would be too weak. Mm-hmm. Today, yep. The courts have become the supreme branch of government. They have virtually unlimited power. They granted themselves that power. Right. It's outrageous. And I would love to see term limits, especially on the Supreme Court and the federal courts. I just think it's important. The Founders' Day, the average age of appointment was 47, and the average life expectancy was 54. So that gives you kind of an idea how long they expect the people to serve on the court. Yeah, you nailed it right there. So that's the best maybe observation. 20 years, maybe, at max for that's federal the, judges. The, that's a very clairvoyant right. perspective, uh, Mark. I believe that should just be repeated all the time. Now, what about uh, other amendments, like uh, repealing the 17th Amendment? Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the repeal of the 17th Amendment, and I just want to clarify what that is, because I know there are a lot of people, I say it all the time, and yep. there are lots of people who don't even know what the 17th Amendment is. I, I don't think that's unusual. You shouldn't feel bad if you don't know. It's a weird thing that most people don't know, that it used to be that the state legislatures picked the, the senators, the federal senators. They appointed them. And it was designed this way for a reason. It, it was a balance in the system. The founders knew that the federal government would always try to take power away from the state. That's just the way it is. It's human nature. And so they designed a Senate as appointed by the state legislatures that could say no to the federal government. When the federal government proposed something usurping the power of the states, the senators would just say no. It's like the easiest job in the world, really. They needed a one-word vocabulary. That word was no. And then we changed that in 1913. And we changed it to direct election of senators, which is really weird because the reason we did it, actually a good reason, people felt like 
you had to be rich and powerful and you would use your money and influence to get appointed to be a senator. Today, of course, senators get elected because they're generally, uh, oh, yeah, they're rich and powerful people who use their money and influence to get elected, right? So it really didn't solve the problem, and it uh, created other problems, which is it broke this beautiful constitutional balance. And yeah. uh, today the senators are like a bullpen for people who want to appear on Face the Nation or who want to run for president. Well, I think well, I think the audience uh, also needs to know that you kind of be able to recall these guys. You got yeah, to be able to pull your senator. Yeah, that used to be the case. If you're not defending my state's interests, uh, I think the the biggest damage that uh, Amendment 17 did to us is that the people of each state stopped being involved in state legislature because it really wasn't a matter for them to be interested yeah, in. Less important. If yeah. you were, if you knew that you wanted your state senators. To a legislature to appoint someone of your ilk, of your political philosophy, then obviously you would get involved in state politics to make sure that your well, state senator going to Washington would be of your affiliation. Which and is look, exactly what, even, what we're doing now with the Convention of States nobody project. Nobody knows who their senator uh, is well, or, that's their why or their legislature. Convention of States, I'm a legislative liaison down here in sunny South Florida, and so we're very involved with all the state representatives and state senators to make sure that they support Convention of States. And now that Florida has passed the petition, we're trying to make sure that we reactivate the Article 5 so that we can have uh, the uh, selection of commissioners. Well, now for that's, that's hey, good. You know, I got to tell you guys, I was bragging about you guys in Florida here in my meetings in Texas today. Yep. Because in Florida, you guys have stayed active. And this is so important for your listeners to understand. Just because a resolution passes in a state doesn't mean it's time for the activists to go home and celebrate. I mean, you can celebrate for a day or two. But then you've got to get in and be involved in your state legislature. There's a lot of stuff going on there, self-governance stuff, that you have to be involved in. If you're not involved, your state legislature is going sideways. That's for absolute sure. And so I think the Florida team has done a great job of staying involved. It's a good model for the rest of the nation. And also help the other states who haven't passed the resolution and let them know the kind of uh, idiosyncrasies that occur in the process of uh, getting these applications yeah. through their legislatures. Now, Mark, when we uh, go to these state legislatures, I know that in the past we've had some situations where people that we thought were on our side would turn around and let us down. And I, w- I wonder what your thoughts are on some of the conservative groups that are opposing the Convention of States project. Uh, John Birch Society is one. Eagle Forum is another. Yeah, well, I'm just going to say it like I, I feel it. I've been dealing with these people for five years. They're disgusting, they're revolting, <laughs> and they're selling out the Constitution. Just Way to go, Mark. Yeah. Let them have it, because, you know, if you need me to be a, your bullhorn, I'll yep. be more than happy. Well, well, well it's amazing. Well, look, here, here's the deal. These are people who claim to be originalists, people who claim to love the Constitution, people who claim to admire the founders and the things they did. But what they say is, obviously, the founders were so stupid about Article 5 they just made this huge mistake. They had no idea what they're doing, and the people can't be trusted. It's just horrible and offensive. Another thing that you hear them say, they slander the founders regularly. I hear Eagle Forum people and John Birch Society people slander the founders in this way. They say, in 1787, we had a convention. It was only called for the purpose of amending the Articles of Confederation. And then these men of great honor, who put honor above all else. And wealth. <laughs> Yeah, they betrayed their own states, they betrayed, they, they breached their own commissions, they lied to the people back home, and they drafted a new constitution. That's just an outrageous slander against the founders. The truth is, 
these men that went to that convention in 1787 had full authority. You could read their commissions themselves. Madison himself says in Federalist 41, if you want to know the authority of those at the convention in 1787, read their commissions, read what the states told them to do. So, look, I'm just disgusted with these people. They tell lies. They smear us constantly. They say we're supported by Soros. I mean, literally, these people in Eagle Forum and John Birch Society have become just like the radical left. They've got no actual effects, so they use smears, personal attacks. It's revolting and disgusting, and all true conservatives should be against them. What do you say to them when they uh, claim that this will become a runaway convention? Well, I just ask them how it feels to be tools of the radical left in America. If they, if they like being clowns and tools and used by the radical left, they should keep saying that. That was invented by the radical left. Every single leftist organization in America, and I do mean 100% of them, have come out against convention states. You don't have to believe me. They yep. signed a press release. It was led by Common Cause, which is a Soros organization, Center on Budget and Policy Priorities, which is a Soros organization. All of these groups, Planned Parenthood, La Raza, Daily Cause, MoveOn.org, I mean, you can name them all, every one of them, every major public employee union in America came out against convention of states. And today, the John Birch Society and Eagle Forum stand side by side. Eagle Forum stands side by side uh, as, as an organization that usually fights for the right to life. They stand side by side with Planned Parenthood in opposing an Article 5 convention. That's a good point. And, you know, the whole argument, the, the phrase runaway convention, became popular in the 1960s because the Supreme Court was going so far to the left that a lot of conservative groups, including maybe the uh, John Birdside Eagle Forum, other conservatives, said, hey, maybe we need a convention. And that's when the, the whole idea started. And so the left retaliated by saying, well, you don't want a runaway convention. So you're right. Uh, John Birch and Eagle Forum today are lining up with all these groups from the left that they would otherwise not be aligned with. Well, we also... Well, and look, they don't, nobody who's listening to you should believe us when we say this stuff. I'm just going to... Look, I'm a skeptic. I'm going to say it like it is. They should not believe us because we're just saying stuff. You should research this for yourself. You want to read about it. You want to read David Horowitz, who is the ultimate authority... Uh, in the entire United States of America on the radical American left. He wrote a whole article on this talking about how the radical left has now co-opted uh, the radical right, uh, the far right, people like John Birch Society and Eagle Foreman is using them against the conservatives in America by having them oppose the Article 5 movement. So you don't have to believe me. Research, look up David Horowitz and his article about the 230 organizations against an Article 5 convention, he tells you it's just a propaganda ploy by the radical left. This is the way they work. And unfortunately, people in Eagle Forum and John Birch Society have fallen for this hook, line, and sinker. And they are now, they know now, they know what I'm saying. They, they've been informed of this. Now they are willing tools for the radical left in America. Now, uh, that reminds me of, uh, first of all, let me remind our audience who might have just started to tune in. You're listening to WSQF. 94.5 FM here in South Florida. We're the echo of Key Biscayne, and we're also Blink Radio. We're speaking with Mark Meckler, uh, founder and leader of our Article 5 Convention of States movement to amend the U.S. Constitution and propose amendments to that uh, Constitution. And uh, Florida is one of the past applications. So here on the Concrete Conservative, we have a pleasure to, to have you on the air with us. And Mark... Uh, uh, the comment of the Eagle Forum and their effectiveness 
It reminds me of the Steve Hilton uh, interview you had with uh, Congressman Shavitz and uh, Tommy uh, Lauren. Tommy Lauren, yeah. Lauren. And yep. they they seemed very amateurish in opposition to Article Four, Article Five, and uh, and I uh, I was you know taken aback because uh, these are fairly young people, younger than you and I, but um, I really uh, was disappointed in both of them, especially uh, you know Congressman Shavitz. Uh, I thought for sure he would have a lot more wisdom than that. Yeah, because Mark Levin has supported us, and he yeah. he was on the show following, and. Uh, what, what what do we do about conservatives that just don't get it? Look, all we can do is write to them, call them, and educate them. And look, Tommy Lahren, I'm you know, just to be blunt, she's kind of an empty vessel, and I don't put a lot of stead in anything she says. You don't actually see her on the air very much anymore. Look, this is a person who has said point blank she doesn't read. Like, if you don't read, you're not a conservative, not not a political conservative anyway. She doesn't pay any attention to what's really going on in the world. So she's just spewing talking points that she thinks are inflammatory. That's what she likes to do. Chaffetz, I have no idea what his problem is. You know, I've never actually had a conversation with him. He certainly didn't sound like he'd ever really looked at the issue or had any idea what he was talking about. But you know, if he's listening to your show and he wants to talk, I'd be happy to chat with him. Yeah, that'd be that'd be that'd be a. Uh, the uh, the uh, other people that I think that'd be a good Chaffetz conversation. Is, the two of you debating him. Senator Mike Lee of Utah and Senator Ted Cruz of Texas. Those guys are still out. Uh, and, yeah, what do you uh, think it is with Ted? We've, you and I have had conversations about uh, dealing with Ted, and since I was uh, quite involved with him, uh, I, I, I really, I, um, I'm being shadow boxed by him, and I quite, I, do you have an idea of what it could be that, what reservation he does have? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what it is, and uh, I'm, I'm frankly, personally, pretty tired of it. The deal is that. When Ted was here in Texas, he worked at Texas Public Policy Foundation in their 10th Amendment Center. He was openly supportive of Article 5. And when he ran for senator against David Dewhurst, uh, Phil Schlafly got him in the metaphorical headlock and told him that if he supported Article 5, she was not going to support him or endorse him in equal form. Wouldn't. So he backed away from Article 5. Look, And I'm going to be honest with you at the time. And then she, but then she supported Trump. Well... Here's the deal. She did, but I'm just going to tell you, at the time, this is before she supported Trump, because this is when he was running for Senate, when he was running against David Dewhurst in the Senate. Oh, okay, all right. So right. the time frame is off. Yeah. yeah but he, so should have, he should have severed his uh, loyalty towards her. 2012, when my wife and I were working for Ted in Texas. Yeah, it was so really, it's really amazing. Texas. Well, continue. Continue your story, because that angle is very important to me. Yeah, so, he, so what happens is that happens... Obviously, then he runs for president. I talked to a lot of folks in his campaign that were very high up. They, I was advised that it was looking like he was going to endorse Convention of States. I do believe he believes in it. But I think your description of the way he responds now is the, is the best. He's a key shadow box. He sounds like a politician, which is not normal tech Cruz. What he'll say is, I think it's great that there are so many people out there supporting this movement. And, uh, you know, in the Senate, we're going to propose term limits. But if you ask Ted, do you actually believe that the Senate's going to pass a proposal for a term limits amendment? I mean, honestly, he knows they're not going to. Well, he he was uh, he was you know on the Yahoo, the Yahoo interview. I forgot who was the um, uh, lady who was I believe was CBS, and she uh, uh, who was the main anchor of Good Morning America. No, it was uh, very prominent. Gave her the gave him the interview, 
And he flat out said it in the Yahoo interview where he was a complete supporter of Convention of States. And oh, Sorry, I should say Article 5 because he didn't mention the organization right. per se. So I here I was, you know, uh, going at him, you know, straight on. And, you know, uh, direct eye contact. Uh, I had plenty of time with him as his Uber here in Miami. And, man, the shadow boxing was amazing. It was just... How can you be a constitutionalist and not support an article in the Constitution? It's just mind-boggling. And uh, I love him to death, man, but my God, it's my, my patience is wearing thin. Yeah, I mean, mine is worn very thin with that, and I do talk to his people regularly because I'm here in Texas, and I can tell you, look, he, he won his election, but I want you to look at how close that election was. Yeah, right? very and close. So I would say part of it is that Beto ran a good campaign and, and did a great job and had a lot of money. Part of it is just not that much enthusiasm for Ted. It's waning enthusiasm. Yep. Well, you know, uh, maybe uh, maybe his beard will get him going again yep. because <laughs> one thing he has one, one thing he has listened to is uh, I I told him once, and I think this is what he appreciated in my candor because you know, kind of lack of filter um, many times. I told him, look, at, uh, Ted, you know, you're a great debater and you're rebuttal, but when you make a great point. You snicker in a fashion that makes you look like the penguin in Batman. <laughs> and yeah, well, I agree. With you. He lo- actually looks great in the beard. I think it softens his appearance. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, that's uh, it's quite a quite a thing. So this uh, this interview for uh, basically has been uh, 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 quite candorous. Uh, so you think you'll you'll come back to us? I will absolutely come back to you guys. I appreciate you having me on and. Thanks for all the great work you guys have been doing. It's very appreciated. Thank you, Mark. Well, it's uh, it's quite a pleasure to call you my friend. So thank you very much for calling us. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Well, that was, uh, I've been waiting uh, a whole year to finally get Mark Meckler on the air with me. It's, uh, now I find it uh, all rosy now, and I feel much better. Another caller here. Um... Let's see what Jesus... Tamara no. Colbert. No, I, well, let's see. This is WSQF Blink Radio 94.5. You're live on the air. Who do I have a pleasure to speak with? Well, you know what? It must be a liberal because they have nothing to say. People say that I talk too much, and I say, you've got nothing to say. Do I get a second chance? Let's see here. Let's see. I think this is Tamara Colbert. Tamara Colbert. You're listening to WSQF 94.5 Blink Radio Key Biscayne. I know who this is, but I'm going to say it anyway. Who do I have the pleasure to speak with? It's Tamara Colbert from Convention of States. How are you guys? Well, okay. it's been a long, long time. I stopped. It's been too long. Yeah, I've been fasting ever since your last call. You must be super thin yes. and felt. I yeah, love two, it. you know, two hundred and seventy-two pounds of thinness. I've actually, <laughs> I've actually gained so much weight. It's not even funny. So the irony of the joke is. Uh, oh my goodness! How are you guys? Well, Great. you know, thank you very much. Uh, we uh, we're on a roll here. We just got off the phone with Mark Meckler and uh, Tamara. Uh, tell our our audience what your role is in the Convention of States uh, movement. I am Tamara Colbert, and I'm the chief rabble-rouser for Convention of States. Welcome to Rabble Rousing Anonymous. <laughs> great. Well, we that's great because we need rabble-rousing this year especially. Uh, Mark said there are 40 state legislatures in session, and I'd like to see us break through 
And uh, he said maybe get up to a dozen uh, new states to pass the Convention of States project. How do you see it? Well, I, I think that's Mark is right on the money, and here's why. We have really a dynamic group of citizen activists uh, that are just super excited to get going this 2019 legislative session. I can tell you last week we had a, a couple of TV stations show up in Nebraska at the Capitol for our big event there. Okay, that's one and camera, one chamber uh, legislature. So. That is a unicameral. That right. is correct. I mean, when we are getting television stations now showing up to the Capitol, it's because we're getting hundreds of people showing up, right? Yep. And so this is really exciting. This week we've got um, three events. Oh, I hope it wasn't a cell phone because well, I think we yeah. lost you. Uh, Three yeah. events where are you? Mo are you moving around? Because we just lost you. I don't know what. what? Oh, no. Okay. Let me, well, let me change phones. No, I'm on a landline. That's Great. very strange. Three, Three, the landline, the landline. Three events landline. where? Hang on. I'm on a landline. Hang on. Okay, we heard you. You said three events, and then I. You, then... How's that? Is that better? Yep. Yeah. Oh, great. Yes, I'm on a landline, guys. I thought, hey, a landline should be good. Yes, yeah, so in Arkansas this week, we've got Tom Coburn and Mark Meckler together. Okay. Really exciting. we got three events there Wednesday between Wednesday and Thursday. And the other exciting component, I don't know if Mark shared with you, but Thursday morning we are in the Senate committee in Arkansas, and both Mark and Senator Coburn are going to be testifying. So um, we've got this happening, and we are releasing tomorrow, you guys get to hear it first, new polling data um, that the Trafalgar Group is a, a, um, a reputable, reputable polling company that Convention of States has been working with. They just did a poll at the end of last year in Arkansas, and 68.2% of likely Arkansas voters, Democrat, independents, and Republicans support the Convention of States and Article 5 is the way to restrain Washington. That's huge. Yeah, Mark did allude to the fact that uh, Democrats are starting to come around with the reality that we have a runaway Congress. Federal government, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think what's even more important, in, and this is what we are starting to hear as feedback, as Convention of States continues to host events and town halls all over the country, we have more Democrats now than ever coming into the Convention of States. Why? Because they are no longer seeing a party that is their party, a party that they can relate to. When you've got people yeah, how like do you, how do you relate to liars and thieves? saying, hey, let's just raise tax rates. I don't know how we're going to do it, but yay, let's get other people to pay for it. Um, you're an idiot, and I don't care what party you belong to. You need to pick up a book and actually read something. Well, the sad thing is that there are a lot of people who agree with her, so... I'm glad to see some people are rebelling. I think she only has the support of bartenders in New York. That's about no, there's a lot I of people. You're about right, and 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 college students from Ivy League colleges who actually aren't studying anything um, will end up graduating owing two hundred thousand dollars in school loan debt, yep. and they couldn't get a job at Starbucks. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's a. Huh. Uh, uh, yeah, we've had we've had comments about student loan debt, and I don't want to go into a rabbit hole. But it's obvious that the government involved in granting 
has drove up the the price of right. college education because yeah, the colleges the raise their raise their prices and capture the subsidy. Yeah, they just want an, one admission, and they could care less if you do yep. the four years. Absolutely. At least you get you get us. You get you're guaranteed a freshman tuition and uh, by the government. Now, absolutely. Uh, he said that uh, Mississippi is next in line. Uh, are you in agreement with that? That the uh, Mississippi is going to be the next to oh, pass. Oh boy, is Mississippi fired up? You, you guys. Last week in Mississippi, they had I think fifty plus people show up in Mississippi. Wow! At the Capitol, you guys. That number doesn't sound significant, but in the state of Mississippi, that sent the biggest message to legislators. Um, that, you know, in this day and age where we're dealing with trillions of dollars of federal debt, when you talk in a number like 50, it doesn't seem like a lot. But in the state of Mississippi, it literally turned every single legislator's head. And, and in February on the 21st, we've got Colonel Allen West, who's going to Mississippi, who's going to participate with the Convention of States Mississippi activists, in a big capital day and a luncheon and all of that. So there are a lot of really, we are seeing people supporting the Convention of States as never before. Well, we really need to get started in a couple of these states, and then maybe we'll set off an avalanche with the other states. I I totally agree. I mean, it's almost like um, we're trying to to set little friendly competition, right? Sure. Arkansas versus Mississippi, who's going to be first? You yeah. know, so I think there's some state director, good, positive, uh, good. friendly rivalries happening. Um, you know, kind of like they do in the Super Bowl. So right. the, the governor of that state will give the other governor who wins, you know, whatever their state pie is or dessert or whatever. So we've got some friendly stuff happening with convention of states um, among our teams. But I got to be honest with you, this is, has never been more exciting. And if you look at and compare with the government shutdown and what's happening right now, I think that's a reminder. Yeah. It's fed up with D.C. It is a reminder why Washington will never fix the big problems ever. OK, and now here's the opportunity for you. And repeat this since it's radio, repeat it a couple of times, okay. all, the, all the websites, where they can sign up, where they can get involved. Sure. And, uh, Thank you. Thanks, Manny. We appreciate this a lot. You and Ed are just fantastic hosts, and we just appreciate uh, this opportunity. Anybody that wants to be part of the Convention of States, we love you. Even in Florida, we are still working. We have dynamic people like Brenda McMenamin and Nancy Suits incredible leaders in our Florida team all throughout the state who are still active and doing meetings, getting out there, talking to people. They can go to conventionofstates.com. We ask people to sign up and sign the petition. Here's why that signing the petition is important. That petition goes to your state senator and your state representative, even in Florida, so that they can see, hey, even today, there's people that support this movement. And your new governor, who I personally know, Governor DeSantis. Absolutely. He is a huge supporter, endorser of Convention of States. And, um, again, he sees that as a way, you know what, we can get our power back into our states. And we have a legitimate, lawful, legal way in the Constitution to do that. So I love that. Florida is awesome. 
Yeah, and, and uh, Mark gave us some uh, street cred. He says that uh, you know we're still very active, and um, I think we, uh, for those who are in Florida, you all can not only get in part of our movement since we already passed it here in Florida, yes. but keep the feet under, keep the fire on the uh, under the feet of these legislatures because I mean these representatives in Florida because you never know, you know. Well, first of all, we I'm a legislative liaison for sunny South Florida, and we keep after all our state reps and state senators. First of all, we, we don't want them to withdraw the petition, but yep. also we want them to start implementing the procedures for selecting commissioners, and that's, yes. th- that's our priority this year. Absolutely. I think what's really, this is, this is so exciting. We have multiple states. I know that Tennessee, I believe Missouri, and there's one other state that is escaping me right now that are all working on their faithful commissioner right. bills right. and working that through their state legislatures. And this is just a tremendous opportunity. Well, Tamara, here's a perfect uh, question. Uh, uh, is there any of the states that have already passed more along uh, deeper into the conversations of how they're going to pick their commissioners? Is it going to be uh, because, you know, the the Constitution doesn't spell out that it has to be an elected official. It could be laymen. Uh, what are the chances of the convention uh, being attended by more laymen than legislatures? Well, I can use, I'll use Tennessee as an example. Um, Tennessee, they are working with legislators now, and I believe there would be one or two of their commissioners who would be regular citizens. Yeah, that's very important. I believe that's vital for the cause. I love that option. That is not what they wanted to do in Texas um, with our Faithful Commissioner Act, which is what we had had recommended and suggested, suggested, but that's not what they chose in Texas. I believe they chose two state senators and three state representatives. Um, to go on behalf of the state of Texas. So Tennessee, they want to do it. Their legislative sponsor is working with our Convention of States Tennessee team to actually add one or two commissioner slots for regular citizens to be part of the process. I personally think that would be one of the most exciting opportunities as a citizen um, in probably a the last hundred years. Well, uh, the reason why I I like the layman is that they don't really have an axe to grind. Um, uh, uh, Politicians already come with a certain brand that they're representing, and they'll go into the convention with their brand on their shoulder, you know, and uh, they'll have their, you know, their stripes, per se. So I prefer that it be layman people who really come in with a real spirit and love for their country and are more likely to listen, uh, more likely to to understand that other people have other ideas without representing a brand, per se, mm-hmm. just the love of their state, really, because they'd be representing their state. Sure. And um, I'm hoping that the majority of states allow laymen to be the commissioners, not elected officials. Yeah. No. So I, I love the concept, but I think it's important to have state legislators also in the mix for two, what I see as two reasons. Who am I? I'm just I'm just a, a, a volunteer from from Texas, right? But here's why I believe it is important. Number one, legislators understand the process. They know Robert's rules of orders and several other you know processes to get bills created, drafted, 
uh, working through committees. They know that process because they're state legislators and they do it on a regular basis. Actually, state legislators practice how to be a legislator more than those in Congress, right? They go through the process more regularly in their state houses than Congress does. So I think having that expertise is very vital to the process not taking months and months and months to get through. Number two, the whole point that America's founders wanted to happen was sit an active and engaged citizenry to work with their state legislators. So to have citizens being part of the process in an amendments convention, the first ever, working with state legislators, do that is the ultimate exercise in the consent of the governed. And it would be an extraordinary salute to America's founders and just the brilliance um, and continued viability of our Constitution. Yeah, well, um, I don't disagree entirely, but knowing the legislatures, uh, legislators, they tend to dominate conversation. Well, but they're going to pass the statute, so they're going to want. You know, I can see a layman, two laymen, and one legislator in the background. No, they're going to yeah, exhausted on the second day. They're they're in the convention of states, and I can see the <laughs> legislator breaking, uh, not, not necessarily breaking the tie, like dominating a conversation mm-hmm. simply because he's elected. Uh, I understand the in the simulations we talked about this with Mark that uh, parliamentarian, the one who actually uh, basically refereed the, uh, yes. the simulation. It was very important, and we were very proud of him because he was only 20 years old, and he was right. basically, he had us all on a leash, and he reminded us all the time that we were going down rabbit holes, and, you know, you can't amend an amendment, and go to the well, uh, sit down, uh, commissioner, and we all respected him, and we were all 20, 30 years older than him. Yeah. So I imagine uh, there's no rules on how those people are going to be picked because you need to have some kind of leadership in the convention. Well, how maybe the that commissioners would elect him. I, do you think Voting the, by states. Yeah. Uh, uh, who's going to be deter- what's going to be the determining factor at the convention? Is that that's a that's a well, probably that's a bigger the question. The convention is going to decide, right? So the one of the first orders of business at the convention is would be the rules. The rules. That is correct. And so I think here here's the deal. Here's why I think this is going to be a fantastic exercise because our entire legislative self-governing process is going to be on full display. I have seen it. I was at the convention. I saw it firsthand, even with Democrats who were attending that convention and Republicans. This is the one, uh, let the audience know, this is the one that was in Williamsburg. That is correct, in 2016. They wanted to do the right thing. They didn't want to obstruct. They didn't want to make a mockery. They wanted to do the right thing because they knew what they were doing was extremely important, even though it was a simulation. Imagine how much more serious legislators are going to take the process if they get chosen to be part of the first ever amendments convention. I promise you, I promise you, those legislators will faithfully, I believe, and honorably carry out their duty as commissioners instructed by their states what to do, and I think they're going to be excellent at it. And I think we, as a people, are going to be excellent at being able to understand, to learn from the process, and and I truly believe it is going to be the single most important thing for increased engagement and participation 
at the citizen level. Okay, yeah. now Tamara, let me ask you because sure. last summer there was a, a convention of the American Legislative Exchange Council, yes. which, which can be a very useful partner for this sort of mm-hmm. thing. And I know the convention of states sent some uh, representatives there. Uh, so maybe you can tell us how did that work out? So Alec has been, Alec um, did authorize or, or come out and endorse the Convention of States Article 5 legislative uh, legislation as, quote, model legislation for okay. calling an amendments convention. They did that a couple years ago, actually 2016 now. Wow, we're in 2019. So in 2016, Alec did that. Um, and so every year the Convention of States has gone to their annual meeting, and, and had a, a, a VIP guest um, talk with them in a real way about what an amendments convention could do, why this is the power for state legislators, because that's who attends ALEC. We had this year David Horowitz. Yes, um, Mark mentioned David. Absolutely. Yes. I personally had a chance a couple of times during those two and a half days to talk with David. And he said something extremely profound that has stuck with me, and I wake up every morning thinking about it since I had this conversation with David Horowitz. When I asked David, what is the difference between these crazy leftists and the rest of us who just love our country and want to work and make our country better, make it work for everybody, what is the difference? And he said... The leftists of every single day thinking about how they can fundamentally tear down all of the institutions that make America a great nation. Every day they, they do something, even if it seems little, to tear down some component, tear up, belittle, send a letter, be an activist, go out and speak, show up at a t- city council meeting and, and give this, this leftist point of view because they see right now they're in a street fight and they're in the street fighting. And all the rest of us, all the conservatives are still sitting at home. He said, we either have to get in the game or like Abraham Lincoln said, the leftists will literally take our country from under us without so much as a shot being fired. Now, do you feel it's, um, they're just annoyed that they're not successful in life? Do you feel like no, they're... No, they're very successful. Some of them are very wealthy. I mean, so the, the, what is it they have, what's their gripe? That uh, They want just want to be a director in someone else's destiny? What What is... Yeah, they want to boss other people around. They literally believe it is a complete elitist point of view that they are so brainwashed. I mean, this was David Horowitz. He was a communist. His parents were card-carrying members of the Communist Party. They were so brainwashed that they believed the only true way of government was communism, was this heading towards this, quote, utopia, a utopian state where it was for the collective good. The problem is that these leftists, like the Tom Steyers and Nancy Pelosi's and Chuck Schumer's, they all envision themselves running right. that leftist state. Right. They'll yeah, be so the technocrats word. and we'll be the serfs. Yeah, yes. I remember Rush Limbaugh yes. saying, why do you think the left loves Fidel Castro so much? They, they, they drool for his power. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and so it isn't, I mean, they do this because they truly believe 
that they are going to be on the upper echelon of power. The same with the news media. They think by giving the microphone to all these leftists and spewing the leftist talking points that then the media will gain favor with these people. And so it's an extraordinary thing that we are witness to right now because we have to fight back. Let me tell you guys something about Texas that not many people know. This yeah, is Mark Meckler lives in Texas. No. <laughs> let me tell Mark lives in Texas, but let me tell you right now what is very important about Texas. I found out late last week that the progressives, the progressive wing of the Democrat Party, they are planning on spending between 250 and 500 million dollars between now and the 2020 election to fundamentally transform Texas. Sure, because they saw that Beto did really well that against Texas. Correct. Yep. Yeah, that that's uh, that's correct. really that's really tremendous. So I Ted mean, put on his beard. Scary. He's ready for the fight. It, it, no, it, it. We are in a street fight, folks, and the progressives think they've got it in the bag. And what? you know what? They have. Because at this point, we're all in our houses, and they're taking over the street. No, and the kids are looking down on their phone. That's right, exactly, and the kids are looking down at their phones, and... You know, I have the faintest idea what the adults did to their country. They bankrupted Absolutely, absolutely, and so, hey, I got my brass knuckles. I am fully ready to engage in the epic street fight battle for our country. Well, I've got, I've got, Tamara, I've got something that uh, I think would be beneficial, and it kind of takes, uh, it's a new narrative that I think uh, will be successful, and it's not very hard to articulate it, and they'll definitely have a, uh, a problem disputing it. The, the biggest problem that the left, can uh, we can honestly say about them, and this has uh, been proven, is that all their policies drive down the birth rate of the very social economic class they need to fund their programs sure. in the future. If you look at Social Security, its, its contributions have gone down every year since 1934. No-fault well, divorce has created a lot more divorce and single-family homes than before no-fault divorce. Obamacare has definitely made uh, literally the the right to have a child out of wedlock almost incentivized it through Obamacare because you get a better deal as a single parent uh, insuring a child than you do as a married couple. So it's basically politically bipolar. That's the point I want to say. And I got it in the Urban Dictionary. Anybody can go to the Urban Dictionary and see progressivevirus.com and read the definitions there. And uh, when you deal with a lefty, at the water cooler, just call them politically bipolar and watch their head pop. Well, I mean, here's the thing, Manny. I, I wish that um, I wish we didn't have these. Um, what can we say? Politically correct titles, right? Because I think that if we could just call it what it what it really is, without a political party attached, nobody would be buying what the progressives are selling. The problem is that we have literal generational brainwashing that has gone on in Democrat families who they are afraid to vote anything other than Democrat because their family will get will harass them. They will be excommunicated, though the Democrat policies of today are not working and they've never worked quite frankly and so what we've got to do is be able to call that out and speak truth and what i love with convention of states 
being nonpartisan in focus, we don't take, have to take a side. We reach out to everybody and say, guess what? As a Democrat, you are letting people enslave you. You're not even allowed to have a different thought. Why won't you look at a constitutional solution that literally brings everybody to the table? Yeah, I can't disagree. And everybody, right? Yeah, it's, so unfortunately, uh, what you do, what you described about it being passed down uh, from elders to family members mm-hmm. is the reason why uh, I called it virus at the end, because yeah. I don't mean it to be a, a biological virus. I mean it to be a computer virus. Yeah. So it's like a hack of the psychological hard drive yeah. passed down from parent to children to the point where it really uh, allows you to not be accountable because you're expecting government to solve a problem. And they've never been able to solve a problem other than create one, a new one that was far greater than the one you tried to mitigate in, on the onset. Yeah. So now is your closing statement. Uh, we are now going to move on to statues and stories segment of our show. So please uh, give us your closing statement. And thank you very much for calling WSQF Blink I, I Radio. I would just say to anybody listening, if you are looking for a constitutional recourse, and an opportunity to join the largest citizen movement to restore self-governance in America, you've got to go to conventionofstates.com and sign up right now and sign the petition because we want you, we, the time is now for we the people to restore our nation and we get an opportunity to do it. And with that, I'm going to say besitos. Besitos, un abrazo. you, gentlemen, my Biggest appreciation and Thank hug you. both of you for for what you are doing there in Florida. And remember, Washington will not fix itself. Will not government will never fix itself. It's time to put the people back in charge. And Thank all you. I got to say, Tamara, you're so fine. Thank you for calling. Aww. Come on down to South Florida. We'll show you a good time. I can't wait. I can't, it's on my bucket list, guys. All right. I just got to get there. It's all right. No, well, I, come, I, don't come in the summer. Come now. Where uh, you know what? Uh, we've got what sixty degrees right now. This is right the now. best time. Yeah. Yeah, we're sixty degrees today this afternoon. How about that? Hey, it's forty degrees and dropping rapidly here in North Texas. So I'll be thinking of you guys. All Take right. care. Blessings. Bye, bye, gentlemen. Tamara Colbert uh, from the Convention of States, Texas, and she's basically uh, n- uh, national. She's a national media coordinator for Convention of States. Coordinates all the different states. So we've got to be her. We've got to be her stars. Absolutely, because we've and, taken this to another level. And we, I, I hope that what we need to do with Convention of States this year in Florida, we're going to continue what we were doing before and keeping after the state legislature. Well, we need more of these state legislatures to break through and stop listening to the false conservatives who are saying this is going to be a runaway convention. We have that now, through. but it's yeah. called Congress. Well, no, that's right. And it's called Congress. It's called the president with a phone and a pen. <laughs> it's called the Supreme Court. And look, and the government the is shut down. And that's right. And then the administrative branch, which is not even in the Constitution. Imagine the garbage all over D.C. It must be intense. No, no, they're all paid. You know, it's all District you know? of Columbia. I don't think so. Oh, you yeah, think district, the district it, takes care of the district, national parks? Yeah, no, 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 they take care of uh, the garbage in the District of Columbia. But I tell you, not in the national the libertarian, park, not in Arlington. Okay, there is a, a not-for-profit well, that's group. that's in Virginia anyway. There's but. a not-for-profit group that is focusing on national parks all over the country and cleaning them up to show that we don't need all this government. The national parks should be privatized to a not-for-profit group that is focused on parks and takes care of them and raises money. And the money is there. The people are there to do it. Privatize the national parks. Privatize the 
TSA, transportation. And privatize the public school system. Absolutely, and privatize the Federal Aviation Administration. All those air traffic controllers can be private. And the TSA, can you believe that America led the West to victory in the Cold War against the evil empire, the Soviet Union, without a transportation security administration? Can you believe that? So uh, I believe anything they, you say. No, and, they let they let the TSA lets through. I mean, ninety nine percent. What ever lied? You never. Well, I don't know, but the TSA lets through ninety nine percent of all contraband. They don't even catch it. Well, that's the end of this segment. Now we're getting ready. Uh, we'll be back in about three minutes. So take a deep breath, my friends. We're going to uh, continue our show here, the Concrete Conservative, with the statutes and stories of Adam Levinson. If you like our programming on WSQF 94.5 in Key Biscayne, you can also hear us very far away nationwide, WSQFradio.com. And if you like our audio files and our subject matter, subscribe to YouTube Mac on the Rock Rampage. Take care and stay free.